You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Over the last three months, I've been shooting with the first fully manual Instax wide camera, the Mint InstantCon RF7E. What I can tell you straight off the bat is that this camera is good. But is it $1,000 good? Keep listening and find out. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Everything analog photography related. my friends how are you i hope you are well wherever you are all around the world i'm back home now in australia you may have listened to the last episode of matt loves cameras where i was recording live in the uk uh we were away for exactly one month overseas which was a very long time i can tell you uh we thoroughly enjoyed the trip uh but it's great to get back home and settle back into the the old routine again so just a quick recap my name name's Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. This podcast is all about analog photography. In most episodes of the podcast, I feature a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from it. Today's episode, episode 18 of Matt Loves Cameras, is a review of the Mint Cameras InstantCon RF7E Instax wide camera <laughs> made in Hong Kong. You can see the images I talk about on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com along with the show's Instagram, Matt Loves Cameras. Now, you may be wondering why I'm choosing to do a camera review in this episode instead of telling you more about my overseas photographic adventures. Well, there's a very good reason for that. The RF70 is one of the cameras that I took with me, and I didn't want the upcoming travel episodes to be overtaken with like a review of this camera. So I thought I'd get the review of the RF70 done and published, and then in the coming travel episodes, I can talk about all the sorts of cameras that I used and bought while I was overseas. So I'm hoping to do uh, episodes in the very near future on Hong Kong, Switzerland, Shropshire, Oxfordshire, where I talked to a legend, a giant in the film photography podcast community. And uh, the last one will be the Isle of Wight. So I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of my adventures and some of my photography. And I'm really happy with a lot of the photos I took uh, during the trip. So before we talk about the Mint Instant Con RF70, let's just have a little chat about who are Mint. Well, Mint Camera were founded in Hong Kong in 2009, and they started refurbishing and selling classic Polaroid SX70 cameras. They used to meet people in local cafes and show them how to use the cameras. So it was a very personal, very hands-on business. Mint then started launching their own innovations for that Polaroid line of cameras, including a flash bar for the classic SX70 camera. Until then, you had to use these single flash bulbs, which were becoming more and more scarce. 
and they also did stuff like they combined the body of an SX70 with some of the features of the SLR680 camera, which is very, very cool. In 2015, they launched the first instant camera ever to use the design of a twin lens reflex camera, which of course is the Mint TL70 using the Instax Mini format. I'd seen the TL70 uh, quite a few times, but I was kind of happy with my Polaroids over the last few years, and so I wasn't really that tempted to get a TL70. But about a year ago, I started hearing about a new camera they were working on called the InstantCon RF70, which uses Instax wide film, which really piqued my interest, and I thought, wow, this sounds like a really cool camera. Uh, So probably about six to eight months ago, I heard about it um, and I actually went looking for some information on the camera and I found myself on Mint's website and they had a very, very clever marketing ploy to get to the information on the RF70, you had to enter your email address. So that way they actually captured your details and they could send you future information about the camera. Uh, I thought that was a very, very clever marketing ploy. Uh, So hats off to them for that. Uh, The the marketing obviously worked because um, I actually bought one of the RF70s when it was released in May this year, May 2019. The cameras have been sort of in the wild uh, prototype versions and sort of early release versions uh, from late 2018 onwards. But yeah, it wasn't until May 2019 that they came on full sale to the public. So if you've never seen a Mint InstantCon RF70, you might be wondering what it looks like. Well, of course, there will be uh, images on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com and I'll put an image up on the Instagram as well. But the easiest comparison I have to tell you is that it looks like the Fujifilm GF670, which is a medium format 120 roll film camera, very much sought after camera, a a premium medium format camera that is, and you'd probably be lucky to get it for under 2000 US dollars, that Fujifilm GF670. But it kind of looks like that. It's a rectangular black medium sort of sized camera and it's got a front cover and you open that front cover up and the lens comes out and there's a bellows behind the lens and the lens and the bellows comes out of the camera body for when you want to shoot and that's very kind of similar design to the mint instant con rf70 let me run you through some of the specs so the rf70 has a three elements glass lens which is multi-layer coated the focal length of the lens is 93 millimeters now that sounds like a telephoto lens but with this format of film which is instax wide which is a huge area of film compared to say 135 film or even 120 film that lens is actually the equivalent of around a 28.5 millimeter equivalent angle of view in the full frame format. As a camera that you can use fully manual, there are a range of apertures and shutter speeds, which I will go through later. The minimum focus distance is 75 centimeters, which is 29.5 inches. Now the depth of field at that minimum focus distance and using the f5.6 aperture, which is shooting wide open with the camera, is 4.9 centimeters or two inches. So that's how shallow the depth of field can get using this camera. It has a really good range of uh, shooting features, which I'll run through a little bit later. Um, The dimensions of the camera are roughly 18 centimeters by 12 centimeters by six centimeters when closed up 
which is about seven inches by five inches by two and a half inches. And the weight of the camera is 806 grams, which in the old school measurements is 28.4 ounces. Now, as you guys probably know, I love instant photography. So I was really interested in this camera for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, the ability to shoot using an instant camera in the aperture priority mode. I mean, full manual to me, I mean, I know some people love full manual, me not so much. I just love aperture priority. So the ability with this camera to choose which aperture you're shooting with to me was a real plus. And of course, the size of that film as well. Uh, Instax wide is a large area of film. And so that just sounded like a, a winning combination. So when the Mint Instant Con RF70 launched, it came out with three different pricing options. So I'll give you a rundown now of the prices on their website. Uh, I believe when they first came out, they were a little bit cheaper, um, but I'll tell you about that in a sec. So you go to the Mint website, Instant Con RF70. So the, the price of the basic camera is 899 US dollars. <laughs> that is not a cheap camera. Um, and for that price, you pretty much just get the camera and the batteries and that's about it. Uh, and I think you get some free shipping as well. That's all you get uh, for $899. Now, if you go up to the starter package, that costs 969 US dollars and you get the ND filters. So you get a set of ND filters, neutral density filters to stop light coming into the lens. Uh, you get an ND2, you get an ND4 and an ND8. Now you might be thinking, well, why do I need ND filters? Well, the shutter speed for the camera tops out at one five hundredth of a second. Now, when you're using ISO 800 film, you kind of need ND filters if you live somewhere like me in Australia, you definitely need them. Uh, so yeah, you get your three ND filters in the starter package and you get a pack of Instax wide, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so the next one up is the Ultima package. And this is the package I actually went for. Now the list price on the website now is 1,079 US dollars. Now I actually got it for around 1,000 US dollars from memory. So I think the price has slightly gone up. Now in that package, the Instant Con RF70 Ultimate Package. You get the camera, you get two packs of Instax wide film, you get the ND filters I was just telling you about, you get a lens hood, and you get a nice leather strap for the camera, as well as the batteries and the manual and everything else. Now, regardless of which package you choose, there are a couple of really big pluses to buying this camera. So the first one is that you get a five year guarantee for the Mint Instacon RF70, which is fantastic. Five year guarantee, regardless of which package you buy. So that's a really great commitment from Mint that they're going to continue to support anything that goes wrong with it. You know, you can send it back to Mint and they'll sort it out for you, hopefully, which is just fantastic news. The other thing which really, really swung the purchase for me is their free films offer. Now, this is probably the main reason why I bought the camera. I love shooting instant film. And when you get an offer, when you buy a camera and they send you unlimited free films, that is an offer for me too good to uh, turn down. Later in this episode, I will give you full details on how you can get the free films from Mint and how many packs I've had so far. Cameras. 
So I placed my order for the RF70. It arrived about 10 days later. There was a little bit of a delay because the sales had just opened up. Everyone was ordering one. Uh, but then I was at work one afternoon and uh, unusually there was no one at home. And I had a notification from one of the shipping providers, uh, shipping companies, that a, a package had been left outside my house uh, without any kind of signature. It had just been left there. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hope it isn't my mint camera because that's worth a lot of money. And uh, my wife was home probably a couple hours later and um, I, I sort of got her to message me and I, I said, what, you know, what is this package? And she said, yeah, it's a camera from Hong Kong. Uh, so, you know, to be honest, I was not very impressed with that. Uh, I had free shipping from Mint, and that's great. Obviously, that's a cost they've got to incur to their business. Um, but I would have gladly paid extra for the peace of mind, knowing that I had some kind of, you know, signature on delivery or something like that. Having the camera set outside my house for a couple of hours. I mean, I live in a very safe neighborhood, don't get me wrong. But still, it gave me a bit of an anxiety attack, um, knowing that the camera was sitting outside my door for two hours before someone got home. Uh, so there we go. When I got home, I got everything out of the package. So there's a nice box here that says a Mint InstantCon RF70 large format instant camera. So this is what Mint are billing this camera as. It's not a, like a medium format camera. It's a large format because Instax wide is a pretty big format. Um, I think there has been some debate online as to whether the camera is large format or not. I think people usually think large format is is something bigger than Instax wide. Uh, that's not a debate I'm going to get into. I, I like the camera, whether it's medium format, large format, or somewhere in between, really doesn't worry me at all. So there's a nice box there. You open up the box and the camera is inside. It came with two AA batteries which power the camera, which is a really good positive. The camera only needs AA batteries, doesn't need some weird sort of lithium battery. So that's great. Uh, it came with the strap because I got the ultimate package. The strap is quite nicely made. It's leather and it's very nice. It came with a warranty and registration card. It came with a manual telling you how to use the camera. It came with a couple of packs of Instax wide and the ND filters and the lens hood. Now, just a quick note on that. The ND filters have a proprietary uh, bayonet style thread they go in front of the lens. Uh, they screw in sort of, yeah, screw into the front of the lens there. The lens hood has the same thread, but you can't use the lens hood at the same time as you use an ND filter, which seems a little bit silly, doesn't it? Uh, but there you go. They all have the same proprietary bayonet style thread and you can't use an ND filter at the same time as you use the lens hood. So the first thing you need to do is put the two AA batteries in. So on the bottom of the camera, there's a little battery compartment. Open that up, put them in. And the second thing you need to do is put the Instax wide film in. So on the back, there's a little lever above where the film goes. Now it looks to me like it should be pushed down, but uh, it actually, you have to push the lever up. Uh, it's sort of recessed into the back of the camera there. Uh, I don't know why I always want to pull it down. Maybe that's because the way Instax cameras are made. I'm not sure, um, but it goes up and you put your Instax wide pack in the back of the camera there. Like other Instax cameras, there's a little yellow guide and obviously you line the yellow line on the pack of film up with the yellow line in the back of the camera. You close it up and then of course you need to eject the dark slide. 
So to eject the dark slide, well, you need to turn the camera on. To turn the camera on, you need to open the lens, uh, get the lens out of the body. So on the front cover, there's a little button. You push that in and you gently open up the front cover and the lens and the bellows slides out. You have to straighten as a silver arm that goes diagonally across the lens and the bellows. You have to straighten that and then your lens and your bellows are all ready to go. The last step in turning the camera on is to turn the shutter speed dial from off to any of the shutter speed settings. So there's quite a few there I'll run through in a second, but you turn it, uh, just say we'll turn it onto one five hundredth. There's an LED on the back of the camera that lights up telling you how many Instax films you have left in the cartridge, which is good. And it also gives you a little battery level indication. So my battery is on two thirds full and my pack has eight images, eight films left in it. And then to eject the dark slide, you pull what looks like a film advance lever. It's a silver lever. It looks like an old school film advance lever, but of course there's no film advancing with Instax. So this acts as the eject button for the Instax film. So I won't pull that now and give you a, a demo because I've got live f fresh film in there and I don't want to waste any. But you pull that advance lever and the dark slide should pop out of the top of the camera. Now I'll tell you about a little issue with this later on. Okay, so looking at that shutter speed dial again, there's a whole range of shutter speeds for the camera. So the default position is off. Then there's the manual sort of settings of 1 500th, 1 250th, 1 125th, 1 60th, 1 30th, 1 15th, 1 8th, 1 quarter, 1 half and 1 second. There's also some other modes here which are in red lettering around the shutter speed dial. There's R flash, which is a rear flash. So with that, the flash fires at the end of the exposure. There's a B setting for bulb. Now I haven't tried it out, but I have heard that under that B setting, you can actually also change that into a T setting where you can have exposures up to 10 minutes without having your finger on the shutter button the whole time, which is pretty good. And the last three settings are the auto settings. So there's auto and there's auto minus one stop and auto plus one stop. Now the shutter button is actually located on top of that film eject lever. So it's a, a little silver button on top of that film eject lever, which feels quite nice when you're, when you're shooting. It has a threaded little um, socket there if you wanna use a remote release, which is really cool. Just to the left of the shutter speed dial is also the pop-up for the flash, which is pretty cool. I've used the flash a few times. Uh, just be warned that you have to give it a little time to warm up. If you don't give the flash a little bit of time to warm up before you take a picture, you'll end up with a blank Instax. You'll get nothing on there. Looking at the back of the camera, you have the, the framing window and right under it, you have the rangefinder window. So I'll talk you through that in a minute. On the bottom of the camera, you have a tripod mount. On the left, you have an, a 2.5 millimeter audio jack, which you can use to trigger external lights. So the team at Mint have thought of a lot of cool, useful features, and uh, that really shows in the design of the camera. Check out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com 
If you're on Instagram, come say hi at Matt Loves Cameras. Or if you fancy getting in touch, drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com. So I'll now tell you about the two ways that you can shoot with this camera. The first is in auto mode, or it's probably aperture priority mode, really. So what you do here is you put the shutter speed on auto, or auto plus one, or auto minus one, and then you choose an aperture that you want to shoot with. So I'm going to choose f8. You then half press the shutter button, and there's actually, between the two windows on the back of the camera, there's a framing window, and there's a rangefinder window between those two windows there's a little light as you half press the shutter it will either come up green which is saying that the camera is happy with the chosen aperture and it's got a shutter speed in mind to match that for the scene or it'll come up red now when that ambient light indicator comes up as red the camera then tries to help you so in the film indicator window which is below the, all those rangefinder windows uh that's the window where it tells you how many shots of instax you've got left and what your battery level's like but as you half press that shutter button it'll actually tell you which ND filter it thinks you need to attach if the scene's too bright so you half press the shutter and that window will momentarily come up with a 2, 4, or an 8, telling you you need to attach one of those ND filters. Or if it comes up with a horizontal line, that means it's way too dark or way too bright, the scene, and you need to rethink what aperture you're going to use. So that's really, really handy. Uh, the, you know, Telling you which ND filter to add in auto mode is very, very handy. Of course, another thing you could do is you could change the aperture. You could change the aperture, say, in this case, from F8 down to F16, and then half press the shutter again and, and see if they get the green light or red light again. So you can keep shooting that way in auto mode. Now, one important point, if it does tell you you need an ND4 on there and you put an ND4 on the lens, the camera doesn't really know that you've done that because it's not metering through the lens. So it'll have no idea which ND filter you've put on there. So, But as long as you know that you've, you've, you've put an ND4 filter on there, you're fine. But it won't automatically, magically change to a green light just because you've put an ND filter on the front. Now, the other way to shoot is probably most people's preferred way. It's full manual. So with this, you'll either need a very, very good knowledge of lights and light values, or you'll need a light meter. So I have a light meter on my phone, which I've been using. The way that I've set that up is I've set ISO to 800 matching Instax film. I've then, uh, you can then change the aperture. So I'll change it here for this scene for F8. And the phone light meter is telling me for this scene, I need a shutter speed of 1 60th of a second, which is good. So I've got my aperture on F8 on the camera and there's a 60th on the shutter speed dial. So for this scene, I would change it to 1 60th and take an image. Now you'll still get that um, ambient light indicator uh, come up either red or green, but it doesn't really matter because you've already done a, a reading for the scene. And so as long as you match those values, it doesn't really matter if a green or red one comes up, the, the, it should be accurate and you should get a good exposure. Now, the only time when this has tripped me up really is quite often 
I will get a value, for example, the scene looking out the window now, I might get a value of 1 80th of a second, but there's no 1 80th of a second on the shutter speed dial. So I'll either be forced to, to use 1 60th or 1 1 25th. Uh, so there you go. That's, that is one thing which I've sort of played around with quite a lot. Um, generally, I think it's better to overexpose the Instax rather than underexpose, but it has been a lot of trial and error for me. Uh, but quite often those those light meter values do not match what the camera has available. Um, so I've had to have a little bit of a guess. Now, if it's a very bright day, you know, you might get a meter reading of, you know, ISO 800, F16, one two thousandth of a second. Well, what are you going to do there? Uh, I mean, you could try and put the camera to F22 and see if that knocks a bit of light off, but it's not going to lo- knock that much off, is it really? So your ND filters come into play there. So at ISO 800, F16, one two thousandth of a second, I would put on an ND8. One two thousandth with an ND8 would knock the shutter speed down to one two fiftieth. It would restrict the amount of light there getting to the the camera. Uh, and so you'd choose one to fiftieth of a second with an ND8 in that in in that uh, scenario, uh, and you can actually also get apps on your phone to tell you which shutter speed to use with which ND filter. So, for example, um, I could have also used the ND4 at one five hundredth in that scenario as well. Next, you need to get your subject in a sharp focus. So you do that through the round rangefinder window. You need to make sure that your subject is in the center of the frame and then you adjust the focusing ring on the lens until the double images converge into one sharp image. So look, that can be fun. It does sometimes take a little while to get sorted. What usually happens is I'm slowly moving uh, that focusing ring and I'm just about got it really where I want it and it will actually go past focus and I'll have to come back the other way and get it in focus again. So that happens quite a lot to me. I think it happens to some other RF70 photographers as well. Just a little quirk of the camera. You kind of go past focus and have to come back. Uh, but the rangefinder works really well. The focus distances on the lens are pretty useless, I think, in my opinion. There's not enough of them and they're not I don't know, they don't seem accurate enough, uh, but that's just my opinion on that. Many, Maybe other people will, will differ on that. And the last thing you need to do is compose the image. So here are the, the guidelines from the manual. Compose your picture using the viewfinder. Frame your picture within the bright lines. The bright lines give you an 80% preview of the final image. So the framing isn't exact there. The, the frame lines give you an 80% preview of the final image. There are two different sets of frame lines. So the larger ones around the outside are for the image at infinity focus, where the smaller ones are at the minimum focus distance. So it's just something to remember depending how far away your subject is. So after you've got your exposure locked in, you've put your subject in focus and you're happy with the framing, you press the shutter button. And then if you're doing a single exposure, uh, you press the lever to eject the Instax and it pops out and you get a lovely little Instax there within your hands uh, and it'll appear within, I don't know, 60, 90 seconds, which is fantastic. One feature this camera has, which instant photographers love, is the ability to do double exposures. So after you press that shutter, don't eject the film, just go and compose another photo and press the shutter again. 
Uh, not only does the RF-70 do double exposures, it does triple, quadruple. It does many as exposures as you want. You just keep composing, focusing, and pressing the shutter button, and you can do it as many times as you want until you press the eject button and the Instax comes out. Uh, I don't actually know uh, what, what the limit of how many exposures you could do on Instax film is. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I haven't really done any. I'm not really that much into double exposures myself, but it probably is something that I will play around with eventually. So let me tell you about my little list of positives and negatives for the Mint Instacon RF70. So the positives. Number one, it's a really fun camera to shoot with. It's a novelty having manual settings on an instant camera, and there's nothing like shooting through a pack or two of instant film in an afternoon. Number two, it slows you down and it really gets you thinking about your photography. Number three, it's compact when folded up. I mean, it's not Olympus XA, but quite often I will take the camera with me to work and I'll go for a little walk around lunchtime around the city and take some Instax. And quite often I also take it down to the seaside to take images of boats at Victoria Point. Number four, in the right conditions, it gives really good results. Lovely bokeh and is better than any other Instax camera I've used. On average, I get one to two images per pack that I absolutely love and another four or five that are keepers. Number five, generally, I think it's a well-designed and thought-out camera. The ability to choose your aperture, the add-ons like the ND filters and the hood, the ability to use a cable release and to use an audio jack to sync up external flashes. Mint have thought about a lot of what photographers want in this camera and it really shows. And it's brilliant to have smaller companies producing cameras like this. Number six, you have the Mint Free Films program, which I will talk about at the end of this section. The negatives. Number one, the auto settings. Look, it's great to have them, but my results have varied widely in this mode. There seems to be too much tolerance and you'll get a green light sometimes when you probably shouldn't get a green light because the image that comes out is not a correct exposure. Number two, the one five hundredth of a second shutter speed. There's been quite a few people I've spoken to who don't think that is the correct shutter speed and it's actually slower, significantly slower than one five hundredth of a second. I don't know myself. I haven't run any scientific tests. All I know is that the 1500th on my camera is faster than 1 250th, uh, but what speed it is exactly, I'm not sure. Sometimes I've shot with an ND8 at 1 500th of a second, and the settings I've used have matched my meter exactly, and the images have turned out super dark and vignetted. Uh, so I kind of avoid using 1 500th quite often. I'm interested to hear what other people think of that 1 500th setting. Number three, Instax wide film doesn't have the best latitude. So that's something to take into account when using this camera. It is not portrait 400, that's for sure. Number four, now, I mentioned this as a positive, but it can be a negative as well. It forces you to slow down. Now, quite often when I was overseas, um, using this camera for travel photography, I was at a certain place at a certain time and I wanted to take a quick photo. But by the time you get this camera out, open it up, set the focus, it, you know, it just takes too long. So that's one thing. I'm not sure it's suited ideally to all sorts of photography. Travel, I really loved using it as a travel photography camera. I'm not sure I'd take it overseas again, um, but watch this space. I'll have a think about that. 
Number five, the film eject issue. Now, I told you earlier how to, you've got to obviously eject the dark slide out of the camera. However, there is a well-reported known issue with this camera. The dark slide refuses to come out sometimes. And what happens is you hear, uh, when you're trying to eject it, you hear the camera go tick, 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 and it can't, the pick arm can't eject the dark slide. Now, there's a few fixes for this that people have come up with. One is placing a little bit of pressure on the back of the camera, and people say that fixes it. In my experience, when I've had that issue, it hasn't really worked. Other people think that if you put fresh batteries in the camera, that should get you, uh, that should get the dark slide ejected much easier. Again, I have tried that. I've put um, fresh batteries in the camera sometimes, and the dark slide still won't come out. In the last few months, I've probably had that issue of the dark slide not coming out, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, nine times. And uh, sometimes, you know, with a bit of pressure on the back of the camera, it would come out. But sometimes, on one occasion in particular in England, I remember nothing was helping. I changed batteries and the dark slide just wouldn't come out. The only thing that did work was me taking, physically taking the Instax pack out of the camera and jiggling around with the dark slide, which then uh, I obviously jiggled with it too much because I pretty much ruined uh, pack of film I exposed um, one side of the the film to light so that is a bit disappointing this issue but hopefully in uh, future iterations of the camera Mint will get that sorted out number six the camera is expensive I don't think there's anything getting away from that it's usually the one comment people make you know people who want the camera will say something like oh I love that camera but it's so expensive that's what people say and look it is expensive um, one thing however is the free film this is this is what makes the whole camera worth it the free films program from Mint so let me tell you about how that works so when I bought the RF70, the thing that really swung it for me was the offer of the free films that they were doing with the RF70. And I believe they also do it with the TL70 as well, the twin lens reflex camera. So with the RF70, it had it on the page when I bought the camera, uh, you're eligible for the free films program. And after I registered the camera with Mint after it arrived, I got all the details of what you need to do. So you need to post images of the camera to social media, either Instagram or Facebook. I think most people do Instagram. And I'll run through the Instagram terms and conditions here. So the basic premise is that every four photos of the camera that you post to social media, you get a free pack of film. So that's a really, really generous, good offer for you. So here are the conditions. The RF70 must be clearly shown in the image. If you're going to post multiple photos in an Instagram post, the first one has to be the one showing the RF70 clearly. And then the second one can be a close-up of the image, if you like. Each post must have at least 45 likes. Identical photos are ineligible. Only one qualifying post will be counted per day, 24 hours apart. And that's something that I've got, um, uh, I've come wayward on that before. I've actually posted images on different day on Instagram. They were actually different days, but because they're in 24 hour, they were within 24 hours, they were ineligible. So just watch that. So as well as those rules, you also need to use the following hashtags. RF70, which is a great hashtag to look through if you're interested in the camera. Mint for photographers and Mint camera. You also need to tag Mint at Mint camera in your image as well. 
So what you do then at the end of the month is you send uh, Mint an email with the URLs of each of your Instagram photos. And for every four qualifying photos, they'll send you a free pack of film. So in my first three months of using the RF7E, I qualified for 16 packs of film. Uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's so amazing to have a company like Mint support instant photography and as photographers like this. Uh, so it's brilliant getting free film in the post. And I'll tell you a bit more about that in the Hong Kong episode as well. So I've had 16 packs of free film from Mint. Now let's have a look at how much that cost me here in Australia. The cheapest twin pack of Instax wide film. So there's 20 images in the pack. I can get for $24.50 from amazon.com.au now that works out to a twin pack works out to $16.60 in US dollars so if we multiply $16.60 by 8 because that's the price for a twin pack so 8 twin packs is 16 packs of Instax wide we get basically we get $133 so the camera cost me $1,000 US dollars I've already had 133 US dollars worth of free film from Mint already, and I've only had the camera three, four months. So, wow, uh, I'm really blown away. I think the free films is the thing that really, for me, pushed me over the edge to get this camera. I am loving using it. There's a bit of a learning curve, but uh, I am really, really enjoying it. And for me, is it worth $1,000? Look, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I might have to have a chat to you in six to 12 months time. Um, But I think at this stage, I'm loving the camera and I am glad that I bought it. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. So now we have a fun part of the show where I will attempt to describe some of the images that I shot with the Mint Instant Con RF70. Uh, Dave Mahali, who is the old camera guy, recently gave me a big up on uh, the Negative Positives podcast, saying that I'm very good at describing images. So uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, I do my best. I'm not sure I always succeed, but hey. Okay, here we go. So the first three images are actually three images I shot in rapid succession with this camera. And what I did was I had the aperture set at f16, I had an ND4 filter on the RF70, and I shot the first one at 1 250th of a second, and the exposure looks pretty good there. Nice colors, nice contrast, nice reflection there of the boat. It's a red boat, sorry, in the center of the image with some white boats in the background and a bit of sand and water in the foreground. The second one I took at 1 125th of a second, so allowing a bit more light there into the into the camera, onto the film. And look, it's a bit overexposed, but I still like it. I still do like it. Now, the third one is at 1 500th of a second. So my 1 500th is definitely faster than the 1 250th of a second. Uh, I'm not sure at what speed it is. Uh, but it is definitely faster than 1 250th. It's quite, well, I wouldn't say it's quite dark, but it's a little bit darker than it probably should be. So it's a bit underexposed, this image. Um, I still like it, but yeah, I think I like the other two better. The next image I actually took before those ones, this was when the sun first came up, and I was actually using, as well as my ND filter, my mint screw-in ND filter, I was actually using a Grad ND filter as well, which was my very expensive Nisi uh, soft Grad filter. 
So this is a piece of glass where you've got some kind of ND um, coating at the top of the filter, but it sort of slowly fades away to just see-through glass at the bottom of the filter. So that's like a soft grad. And I actually held that in place over my mint lens and uh, one-handedly took a picture of the sunrise. And I really like it. I think without that ND grad over the front of the lens, the sky would have been blown out and the sun would have been a bit too bright. But I really, really like that image. And uh, this is a technique I picked up off a friend of mine, Anthony. I'll talk about him more after I describe the images. But I think using those soft ND grads, um, soft ND grad filters can be really helpful um, with this camera. Now I've actually, I can't find the original of this image. I don't know where I've put it. So instead of uh, scanning the image, I actually have put in the show notes an image that I would use on Instagram, which is a picture of the image on top of the camera. So you have to clearly show the camera. And if you put an image on top of the camera, that's okay as well. So that's the kind of image I use on Instagram. The next image again was taken at Victoria Point, um, a slightly different part of Victoria Point. And this one was taken at dusk. And there's just a nice silhouette of the, the beach and some trees with some golden lights and, and blue water there. Well, I think it looks kind of blue, the water. Uh, um, so I really like that image. And that is, I think that's my best liked or most liked image on Instagram uh, on my instant account, which is pretty cool. The next image I love, it's one of my favorite images that I've taken with the RF70. We were going up in Switzerland, we were going up a mountain in a gondola, which is like a chairlift thingy, which is enclosed, but they had windows you could pull down. So I pulled down the window and I took this image of these trees and the cloud and fog. Oh, and I love this image, it's so beautiful. So make sure you check out the show notes to have a look at that. Next one is another seaside scene <laughs> at Victoria Point. It's of some boats on the water. This was shot using the ND8 at 1 500th of a second. And if you look at the image, it's actually quite dark around the edges and quite vignetted. The center looks okay. Um, I don't think it's an unpleasant image, but it's certainly not what I expected um, using the ND8 and that top shutter speed at 1 500th of a second. And all the exposure settings were done by a meter. And I did them a couple of times and it, it turned out like that. The next one I took in Hong Kong, I was trying out the bulb exposure mode. So I found a little uh, post in the street in Hong Kong in the middle of an intersection. And I stood there like an idiot <laughs> and I pressed the shutter button down for two or three seconds. And what I got was not quite what I thought I'd get. Uh, I thought I'd get some traffic trails. I think then a bus went past from memory and I got these three big lights, Orbi lights with some traffic trails in the background, but I really like it. And it just shows how versatile this camera is. The ability to do long exposures is, is amazing. The next image again is in Hong Kong. I took out the back of a tram window of another big red tram and some pedestrians in traffic in Hong Kong. I like that one. The next one, I think I shot at f5.6, so a very shallow depth of field on the shore of Lake Geneva in Switzerland. And there were some little flowers floating in the breeze there. And I'm not sure they're completely sharp, all of them, because um, they were sort of moving, but I really like that. It shows how the uh, out of focus elements look quite nice there in the image. Jumping back to Hong Kong, I took a, a family portrait there of, well, my family except for me. I uh, got the boy and the girl and the missus all lined up outside one of the shops at the flower market. I like that, it's nice and sharp. 
The next one is of some beautiful hydrangeas outside a barn that we stayed at in England. And I love the color of these hydrangeas. They're so pretty. They're purpley violet. I don't, I don't know what the color is, but they're beautiful. So they're in the foreground there and they're in sharp focus and sort of melts away. The background melts away. You can see the, the rest of the garden there. You can see a bit of the wall in the garden and some nice trees and stuff as well. I really like that image and it shows how, you know, you can shoot wide open or close to wide open and get some nice results. The next one, again, I shot, I think I shot this at f6.7 maybe. This is an image of my beautiful boy. And uh, we're actually on the, went to Coochie Mudlow, which is one of our favorite places to go. And this is on the jetty at Coochie Mudlow waiting for the, the ferry back. And it's a picture of him smiling, waiting. And again, it's got some really lovely out of focus areas there. Beautiful bokeh or bokeh or however you want to say it. And the last image is just to show my frustration with the film eject issue. Uh, this was in Shrewsbury. It's quite a good exposure of some lovely Georgian buildings with nice doors, but you can see the light leaks to the left of the pack. Uh, I jiggled the dark slide. It was the only way I was getting the dark slide out. The camera was not budging it, even with fresh batteries in. So I jiggled it probably a little bit too much and I kind of ruined a pack of film, but oh well, what can you do? So if you're interested in the RF7E, I advise a few things. First of all, jump onto Instagram and have a look at my pictures that I take with the camera. Matt loves instant. So not Matt loves cameras, Matt loves instant. Now I'm not the best RF7 user out there. I'm pretty average. So if you, if you want a baseline average of what you might get with a camera, check out my Instagram, Matt loves instant. If you want to check out um, some other people who do amazing things with the camera, check out that RF70 hashtag. There are some amazing photographers on there doing, you know, portraits, close-ups, all, all sorts of stuff. And uh, that really is worth checking out. One of them is a mate of mine. His name is Anthony. You can see his stuff at My Instant Images on Instagram. My Instant Images. His RF70 images, I mean, all of his instant photography, but especially his RF70 images are worth checking out. He's done some amazing stuff like he has attached a, uh, a digital teleconverter, an X100 digital teleconverter to the camera and used that. He has put on wide angle lenses. He's put on close-up attachments. He's used, you know, graduated filters, which is where I got the idea from. He's done all sorts of comparisons between the RF70 and other cameras. Um, he's done so many great tips and tutorials. So check out his Instagram. It's His name is Anthony and his Instagram account is My Instant Images. Uh, so check him out, definitely. Oh, and I believe he's also hooked up flashes to that external audio jack as well on the camera. So go down his profile, look for those images as well. They're just incredible. So there you go. That's my review of the Mint Instacon RF70, an expensive camera, but look, I think it's one that is definitely worth investing in if you love instant photography. I think this will be the first iteration of many in this line. I think Mint have, Mint have done a fantastic job and I love the way that they support photographers and support instant photography and their free film program is just amazing. So thank you so much to them for the 16 packs of free film I've already had and hopefully many more. That's all for this episode. I'll catch you next time when I'm doing a travel review of film photography in Hong Kong. Speak to you then. Cheerio. Bye-bye.
Music in the show is on a Creative Commons license. The end by Cassie. Soundcloud.com forward slash Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes for the link.